Did I make anybody feel uncomfortable during that joy part? Good, because we're going to do it again and again and again. And it's not meant to make you uncomfortable. It's meant to get you used to heaven. That's really all that it is. And it's really to give expression. You know, the Apostle Paul, I was just sitting there listening to the announcements, and this was rolling inside of me. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul made this statement to the church in Corinth. He said, we are not controllers of your faith, meaning we, can't, we don't control anything you believe that you do, but we are here to be helpers, to help you express the joy that you have in him. That's simply what all this is for. Like, why do we do what we do? It's to help express everything that you long for on the inside. Whether you realize it or not, your spirit, man, is craving and desiring to freely worship God without any hindrances or anybody thinking about me. Because really what stops that is your soul. Your soul goes, well, what if I look stupid? Who cares? Who cares? And I know for myself that was a big thing growing up is that your image is a big part and I have, to, I have to look the part, I have to present myself well. But listen, if I'm doing this for him, it, not all the time am I going to look real professional and all dolled up. There'll be times that I have, a, I have a rip in my armpit this morning. Oh, they didn't teach me that, that, they didn't teach me that in seminary school. You're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. You're supposed to look prim, proper, and you've got to have it all done up. Yeah, but when Jesus walks into the room... Everything changes. That means, hey, your clothes rip, they rip. That's why I encourage Lycra in your pants. Just saying. So if you need some extra stretch, you go get some stretch. <laughs> All I'm saying is I do not want to make any blockades or build these fences around the Lord or the Spirit of God, what He wants to do in my life. By, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I, you know, I'm, this is, I, I look stupid. I would rather look stupid and experience walking with the Lord day to day than look cool for about 10 seconds. Listen, we're going to be coming to a place, I know as a church family, that by not participating, you're going to look stupid. Listen, in heaven, could you imagine there's a section for the non-worshippers or the people that just, I, I don't really like to, you know, do all this. There's not a section in heaven where they go, okay, yeah, you go over there, and there's just a bunch of people that stand there. It's part of heaven's culture. And I don't know about you, but I want to, again, I'm dialing it in with heaven's tone. What is heaven's tone? Heaven's tone is as soon as you walk into the, I remember here, I'll just give you this illustration. There was a, a gentleman, his name Jesse Duplantis. He had, a, uh, the Lord gave him a vision in heaven. And he walked, he was walking around and he was, you know, walking through all the kind of the fields that were there. And he just went, glory to God. And all of a sudden the angel that was with him just shouted out, glory to God. And it like set off a chain of angels, just glory to God. They're excited. It's kind of the same thing. Once one werewolf just, ow, you've just by osmosis connected every other wolf around the area. Ow, ow, ow. And they all join in the party. Well, that's what it ought to be. As soon as we reach, everyone everywhere join in celebrating God. Guess what we do in heaven? They're just, yes, they just love doing it because it's part of who you already are. Did you know that that's who you are? All right. That's not my message, but it's good anyway. Now, my shirt is ripped and it is awkward wearing. So I have to fix that. All right. <laughs> my wife says, keep your coat on. So I keep my coat on. Yes, dear, I keep my coat on. 
I don't want all my muscles bulging out of that hole. That would just be, be horrible. <laughs> those were her words, right, James? Did you say something along those lines? Like, anyways. <laughs> I have a serious message this morning. It's very serious. All right. All right. So, you know, this morning, um, I, was, I had a message that I had sort of ready to go, and the Lord changed it on me yesterday morning at 5.30. And I love when that happens, and then I don't because I go, I, how, how do you do that? So I'm going to just go with what I believe the Lord put on my heart. And, you know, last year we took a considerable amount of time talking about this gospel of grace and the importance behind it getting established in it. And that word again, established, is, you know, I was nicely welcomed this morning by Mr. Hikins who said, yeah, you're rooted here, Joel, you're rooted here. And I thought, yeah, I, I got to get rooted and planted. This is who I am. I need to be established, rooted, grounded in this gospel of grace that no matter what comes my way, how great, how bad, the highs, the lows, that I continually live the same way. Consistency is key in the Christian life. I'm not interested in up one day, down tomorrow. Up, I've just got to wait for Sunday so I can get my pick-me-up. There's fine, there's times and seasons that that may happen, but I honestly, I don't want to live, I want to live steady. I want to live consistent. And for that, it's required that you and I get established in this gospel of grace. It's crucial. There is nothing else that we see in the word of God that we need to be established in. So for, uh, for me, I believe that the Lord is just telling me to continue to go back in some of these things to really establish us because of the days that are ahead. Okay, so in Hebrews chapter 1, let's go here again. You know, last week I talked about heaven's tone, and we want to partake and participate with the sound that heaven makes. The only way that I can participate with heaven is when I can hear the frequency with which heaven is speaking from. How does God speak? How does the Lord Jesus speak? He speaks from an entirely different place than, sadly, a lot of Christians are even operating in. You know, one thing that you even see example-wise in the Old Testament is Abraham. And Abraham, and we, we know he was a friend of God, the Bible called him. And he was actually involved, you know, because of the wickedness that they saw in Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord was going to destroy that city. But yeah, it was great that, I mean, of course, face to face with God, that's wonderful that you see that, that Abraham was involved in what God wanted to do. But even what's more, what's sad in the whole situation is that you had a righteous man named Lot who was in the city, clueless about what was going to happen. I don't know about you, but that kind of goes, oh man. And he, the Bible called him righteous. So I don't know about you, but I want to be on the end with what God is doing. I want to pick up on the sounds and the tones that heaven is operating from to participate in these last days. Church, I think it's crucial. Again, we said this last week, but what we see all in common in the book of Revelation with the seven churches is a hearing church. What's the hearing? I'm picking up the tone. God is laying down some major truth. He's throwing it down. He's revealing to you and I what is yet to come. It's required that you and I start hearing him. And that hearing requires that we adjust the tone. And so we adapt to his ways, not just go with what we think is right or what the news media says. We go with what he says. So we see this very thoroughly, but throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, or like this, God was giving pieces of puzzle constantly to the prophets in the Old Testament. And the, and the puzzle finally came fulfilled when Jesus came. 
See, when you listen to all the different prophets and that, hey, there's one coming, there's one coming, behold, another one's coming, a prophet is coming, and a man of God is coming, and he's going to reveal and just, I mean, reveal the Father, but he's also going to take away the sins of the world. All of these things were talked about in the Old Testament. And then verse 2, we finally get the full picture of what God has been speaking, listen, for 4,000 years. God said it in Genesis chapter 3. That's the first place that we see it. God is speaking. God is speaking. God is speaking. He said, I have one coming who's going to bruise your head. You'll bruise his heel. One's coming and you see it in Genesis. You see it in Exodus. You see it in Leviticus. You see it all throughout every book in the Old Testament. Until finally, John chapter 1 and verse 14 and says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we actually beheld him. We saw his glory. We saw this Jesus, the magnificent one, who came from the Father. We saw him. Man, it all says all the prophets of old, they long to see what you and I are living in today. They only could hear a little bit about this grace being given to the planet. This grace coming to earth because of this man Jesus. They only could touch it, but they couldn't fully grasp it because it was too good to be true. They would go, man, how how can this be this? This God is going to take away sin and God is now not going to just live among them, but he's actually going to come and live inside of people? How? Where? Who? How is all this going to happen? And imagine in those old days, like the Old Testament times, there's, where do you look? They're spiritually dead. They're not able to see on the inside. And then Jesus came. But he says, to us living in these last days. And we've been in the last days since the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. The Bible says, these are the last days. So you and I, we are on the tippy toe of the last of the last days. And he says, in these last days, God now speaks to us. The tone is open in the language of a son. The appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. So everything that you and I could ever dream of and wish for regarding our spiritual life and the health and the healing and the the hope that which is to come is all found in this one man named Jesus. That's why it's so easy to worship him. Now, to effectively and to victoriously live this life, we need a clear understanding again of the period of time that we are living in. We may have heard, you may have heard, yeah, I live in grace, I'm under grace. That's true. But now do you understand how that looks? Do you understand God's method of operation, his MO for the days and the time that we live in? This is where the the rubber meets the road. This is where I can either go all in in my Christianity or I can kind of go, oh, I don't really get it. It seems kind of distant. God simplified it through Jesus. Religion complicates things because religion puts you in the way. Christianity is simple because it's all focused on this one man named Jesus. He's the emphasis of everything we do. He should be the emphasis of everything we see, everything we sing about, everything we really lift up. We're not lifting up Impact Life Church. We are here to lift up the name of Jesus because when you see him, things make sense. Anything man touches, it can complicate. So that's why constantly I'm like, Lord, get me out of the way. Help me communicate properly by your spirit so it can help what's going on in people's lives every day. So this is what God is saying. It is so important that we recognize how he's operating. 
rather than just focusing so much, sadly, the church, so much focusing on what's bad and what's all going on. The Lord gave me this verse in 2020, 2021, 2022. You need it for 2023 as well. And it's Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17, that not to be consumed with the actions of evil men, but instead burn with unrelenting passion as I worship God in holy awe. But do I know his MO? Am I clear of how he's operating? Because listen, what's going to make your life better? It's Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Now, why is this so important? Because frustration comes trying to connect with God and not understanding his method of operation. It is so frustrating as a Christian. Now imagine it for a non-believer. They're just miserable figuring this out. This religion, this, they just think religious is a bunch of bunk because it makes no sense. People fight in religion and it's true. Religion is stupid with a capital S. It's ridiculous. Jesus came to get rid of all the games, get rid of all the law. Get, he came to fulfill it. I shouldn't say get rid of. He came to fulfill all of that so he could establish relationship with you and I. Now, God established a new season. And in Mark chapter 9, if you turn there or look on the screen with me, six days, it talked about Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he led them up on a high mountain to be alone. And as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. And his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any bleach, earthly bleach, could ever make them. Then, that's not enough, look at this, Elijah and Moses showed up. Could you imagine that? Quite a camping trip. (laughs) I'm just here with my buddies and all of a sudden, boom, Moses, hey. (laughs) Moses and Elijah, and they began to talk with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, now this is maybe what you and I would do too, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make some shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And he said this because he didn't really know what else to say. (laughs) Anybody ever been in a place like that before? Where something just happened, you go, ah, we should just do this. <laughs> Why did you say that? I, I don't know. <laughs> but then verse 7, it says, A cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This, this is my dearly loved son. These three words, God is establishing a new tone. Listen to him. Can you say that with me? Listen to him. One more time. Listen to him. So if this is the command, you are well equipped to hear from him. Say it. I'm equipped to hear from him. You are. Suddenly, verse 8, when they looked around, Moses, who represents the law, and Elijah, who represents the prophets, were gone. What is God trying to show, especially particularly these disciples, but for you and I, the law and the prophets, it's being fulfilled or it's done away with. Listen to what I'm proclaiming. Listen to the message that I came to bring to you. Why? Because he's bringing in a new dispensation, a new age, a new method of operation, and it's all based on hearing from him. So for you and I, Jesus changed everything. And I know we know that, but do we know how much it actually changed? 
For some of us, it's just, well, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, so I've been born again, and yeah, I'm no longer going to hell. Thank God for that. I now belong to Jesus. That's that's good, but it's much more than that. John 1.17, like this is... This is one of those scriptures that you have really got to dive in because there's dividing lines in all of this. The law, the rules, the obligations, righteousness was demanded of you in the law and it was given through Moses. Now I want you to listen to these words. It was given to Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This shows me that the law was given, that it simply implies that there's a sense of distance in it. It was given here. But grace and truth came. Can you see even just the different ways of even how the method of operation right there? Here it is. Here's the law. Don't screw up. And here's grace and truth. I've come to show you. Even from a parenting perspective. Here, figure it out. Let me show you. There's a totally different tone. (laughs) The law is hard. It's cold and impersonable. Impersonal, sorry. You can't have a relationship with two stones. You don't go in, like anybody ever seen these, some people hug these two, I love these commandments. I love these commandments. You don't see that because it's not a relationship based. It's, I better not mess that up. I better not screw that up because if I do, what those rocks say will happen is going to come against me. Grace, on the other hand, is gentle. It's warm. It's not just teaching or a doctrine. Grace is a person that you can have a relationship with. The first miracle of Moses that we see, who gave the law, he turned water into blood, equaling death. Grace's first miracle turned water into wine, bringing life and celebration. This good news that we are here to proclaim is literally jumping up. It's too good to be true. It's joy-filled. It's exciting. Jesus didn't come to get you into another religion. He came to give you complete freedom in a relationship with him. Now, as we said, Jesus has changed everything. For example, Jesus changed how we approach God. Jesus changed how God can approach us. You and I live under an open heaven today. It's not closed off. Aren't you grateful that I don't got some bull hanging out on the back door here? I got to slit its throat after service and dab you with blood all over to cover your sins for a year. I'm so grateful. My grade one teacher was talking about my cutting stools were a little bit lacking. My hand, peripheral, whatever you call that, hand eye, whatever, what do you call that? Nah, I got good hand-eye coordination. I'm good at that. But what's that? Fine motor skills. Thank you, wife. She was really, she's good at My fine motor skills were a bit off. So imagine I could miss the bull's throat by a long shot. (laughs) Now, I'm thankful for that. What else happened? Jesus changed how we view God. Jesus came to reveal who God is. Not only that, but Jesus, or Jesus changed the tone of heaven towards earth. Look at this, Luke 2, 14. The angels, when they were pronouncing the, or sorry, announcing the birth of Jesus, they said, glory to God in the highest. And now notice this, and on earth, peace. Say it with me, peace. Where? On earth. Where's the peace? It's on earth. So is God just ticked off with this world that he can't wait to blow it up? 
No. Why? Because he sent Jesus to establish and bring peace. And then he says, goodwill towards mankind. Who are the mankind? Us. The, not just the church. Everyone born. There's no longer this anger, this rage from heaven towards earth again. Heaven's tone changed. Can you see that? Look at this too. When Jesus rose from the dead in John chapter 20 and verse 17, I want you to see how Jesus now spoke to Mary, who was a woman who had been possessed by many demons. Jesus cautioned her, Mary, don't hold me yet. Right? Mary is excited. Jesus, you're alive. You're alive. And he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't hold me on. Don't hold on to me now. For I haven't yet ascended to God, my father. And he's not only my father and God, but now he's your father and he's your God. The tone changed. Law was distance. Here, don't mess that up. Jesus came with grace and truth. He's no longer my daddy. He's also yours. Now go to my brothers. My brothers? Jesus is calling this my brothers? He calls you, he's your brother. Wow. And tell him, tell them what I've told you. For I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. The New Testament tone is completely different from that of the Old Testament. I don't have time, but we went over this in detail before. Deuteronomy 28 simply reveals to you and I, there is the law. And it is an if you system. If you do, I will do. If you don't, curses come. Right? And it's not that this law was evil or bad. No, the law is pure. It's holy. It was given to you and I to reveal how off we were. But Satan came to use it against us. We're going to get into that as time goes on, I believe, in this month. Because, man, the Lord has been helping me see some things. The only tactic that the enemy has is to use the law against you. Because where the law is, sin is given power. Now, look at this. Now, look, I want you again looking at heaven's tone. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. It says, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I have preached to you, and he has never been both a yes and a no. He has always been and always will be for us a resounding yes. For now, notice this, verse 20. All of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in you and I doing what the law says. No, come on, this, this has changed everything. God gives a resounding yes to the fulfillment that is found in him. And his yes and our so be it, meaning we simply agreed with what he says, ascends to God and we bring him glory. What gives God glory? You just agreeing with what Jesus did. God goes, yeah, I get glory for that. When your body tells you otherwise, when circumstance says otherwise, and you just go, Lord, you gave your yes, that by his stripes I'm healed. You gave your yes, concerning all my needs are supplied by your, by your places in glory, by, in Christ Jesus. You gave your yes to all the promises that the peace of God is mine, that the joy of God is mine. That is your yes. I give you my amen. So be it. Let it happen in my life. God goes, I get glory. That's how he gets glory. 
Then look at this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It just gets gooder. The good news gets gooder and gooder every time it gets unraveled and revealed to you and I. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, meaning what? My actions, I have to act a certain way? No. It's your belief in what he did. You confessing it with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. You have now been enfolded into him. And he has become an entirely new person. Who is he talking about? Me. On the inside. A brand new person on the inside. All that is related to the old order. I'm talking about Adam, the first man, Adam. Has vanished away. And he says, look. Everything is fresh. Everything is new. (sighs) All right. So now it's no wonder that our father wants us to be established in this reality. He wants you to get it. He wants you to see it. Because Jesus paid too high of a price for this just to be a nice message. It is supposed to rock your world and change everything about you in my life. It's supposed to change the way we see this world. It's supposed to the way that I the way that I see natural things. I'm supposed to see it now through the lens of who I am in Christ Jesus. The tone of heaven is changed, so I live on a different tone. I live from a different platform than the rest of this world does. Even the rest of what a lot of religious folk do. Why? They don't see it. And that's why the Spirit of God was given to you on the inside to illuminate your eyes so that you can see what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just leave you down here to, I hope to God that I make this. He came to elevate your life so that you start living in this place called victory. It's a place and it's called in him. If this is in him, this is an actual location. That's where I am. And in this place, I am victorious. In this place, I have everything that I need concerning life and godliness. It has all been given to me. Well, how do I discover this? Get to know him. Because when I see him, life starts to make sense. Oh, but I'm doing real good churchy stuff. That doesn't qualify. Nothing qualifies you. There's no good action that you could ever do that could get you to get you to see, get you to partake of what heaven has offered you. So what's required? My belief. My lining up with what he said and go, yes, sir, that's true. It must be. Okay, I believe it. I don't really feel like a new creation. Feelings have nothing to do with spiritual truth. Okay. So what does God, God say? We have to be established in this grace. Hebrews 13, 9. I hope by now you've memorized this verse. No? Okay, we'll read it again. So he says, again, the Apostle Paul, he says, Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. What's doctrines? It's just simply teachings. Right? Mindsets that people carry. Logic. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Where is my heart to be established? In his grace. Not with the foods which have no profit of those who have been occupied with them. Meaning don't let all the natural stuff just try to take place in the sense of my, I'm, my, because of my eating habits, now I'm good. My trust isn't in how good I eat or how don't how good I eat. If I'm all of a sudden like, oh, I got to just do keto for the rest of my life and then I'm going to be okay. Are you kidding me? I'm depending on vitamins to get me through life? I need 90 vitamins to survive till I'm 90. That's not right. So what do I need to do? Grace is here to show me how to depend on him. Now, not to say there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. Eat, eat, don't eat, whatever you want to do. Take 100 pills if you got to. But what I'm doing is I'm making sure my dependency is not on foods or things that I do or do not eat. It's dependent completely on him. 
Message Bible says it like this. The grace of Christ is the only good ground for my life. The Amplified says it like this. It is good for the heart to be established and strengthened by means of grace. So to be established and strengthened by grace also means that I'm strengthened and established in Jesus. That's what it means. Grace isn't just some kind of topic you leave out over here. And anytime you separate grace from Jesus, it gets very dangerous. Oh, grace gives you a license to sin. Jesus would never give you a license to sin. Grace enables you to live a victorious life apart from sin. Absolutely he does. The goal for grace is still holiness. That's where grace will lead you. When you allow it to teach you and show you how to live life. Remember, grace came. Grace isn't domineering. Grace came. Grace isn't loosey-goosey. Well, just do whatever you want. Whatever feels good, just go ahead and do that. That's not grace. Grace came to show you what truth is, to reveal truth to you, so that you live on this straight and narrow. And it's not like, oh, he's just a religious guy. He lives that kind of way. I actually want to. I enjoy it. As a young guy on this, I actually enjoy it. I don't need pornography to, you know, all of a sudden fulfill needs in my life. Jesus does that. I don't need an next joint or some kind of beer to keep me happy. Take off the edge a little bit. Jesus does that. So where are we going? We're going that direction. And grace is here to show you and teach you how to do it. That's what's so wonderful about Jesus coming. He came to, hey, rather than trying to use all that stuff to get the edge off because it really is not helpful to you, your liver is going to hate you later on. Let me show you how to take the edge off. And that's what Jesus does. Anyway, the Apostle Paul, and we use him as an example as he's the one who wrote a lot of the New Testament. In Acts chapter 20, his final words to the church leaders. I want you just to see Again, when somebody gives final words, to me, I go, I have to get my antenna up because these are, these are crucial words that this man is talking to those that he raised up. They were spiritual sons to him. He raised them up. He empowered them. Then he placed them in these local churches to be leaders in the church in these days. And it wasn't just like, listen, church back in those days was a whole lot different. I mean, you also have Nero breathing down your neck who took it for fun to kill Christians. Let's burn them by the stake. Let's throw them in the, let's go feed them to the lions. It was fun. So at that time, there's a lot of pressure coming on Pastor Timothy. So now I want you to see these words that the Apostle Paul is saying. What happens when all that pressure comes on? When all of a sudden all evil wants to come against you? Do we just, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. You stand strong. Hold fast to that Jesus. Hold fast to the grace that strengthens you. Well, how do I do that? You can only do it if you're established in grace. What happens when they want to lock everything down in the next couple of years? Something more than just, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. I hate the government. I hate this. That is absolutely the wrong attitude. And that'll get you and the kingdom of God nowhere. Unless I'm established in this grace... Now I operate from this place and I'm able to speak with authority. I'm able to declare things because I'm rooted and I'm established, motivated by the grace of God. Now look at this, Acts chapter 20, verse 27. Paul says this, I've taught you everything I could about God's eternal plan. 
What's his eternal plan? I mean, he, so many times you see the Apostle Paul dipping into the Old Testament to help people see it. He went, if you read this in 1 Corinthians 9, he went to the weak and became weak so that he could win them to Christ. He went to those that didn't, you know, hang out with the, the Jewish customs or the Jewish laws, but he said, I subjected myself to them so that I could win them to Christ. Constantly you see this man going into people's cultures, into their livelihoods to win people back to Christ. That's what he did. He said, I have taught you everything that I could about God's eternal plan and I've held nothing back. So as churches, I think this is a good place for us, you and I to be, that we get so established in this grace, the grace of God, that we hold nothing back. You can do that in a, in a really good spirit when you are rooted and grounded in the grace of God. If you're rooted in religion, if you're rooted in sin, consciousness, do you know what I mean by that? You are so focused on what other people are doing that you start preaching how bad that is, how wrong they are, based on, well, this is my stance on it because the Bible says it. Yeah, the Bible does say that, but you are not rooted and grounded in the message of grace. You know what you sound like? Pharisee. All over. And does anybody want to hear you? No. So what do I got to do? I have to root myself in this place of grace. Why did the sinners love being around Jesus? Grace and truth came. Let me show you. This lifestyle, you living around and sleeping around with all these different men, that's not who you are. That's not what I created you to be. Go and sin no more. And could you imagine her after leaving that? Do you think she went back to that old prostitute in life? No. Why? She came in contact with grace and truth. I don't want to ever do that again. I know that even for my own personal life. Why do I want to go back to some of the crappy things that I was involved in? Because grace and truth showed me and gave me a different way of living that's actually enjoyable. I don't need a good dad joke to make me laugh, although that is helpful. But he has become my joy. Jamie is not, I don't wake, again, I don't have to wake her up and say, Jamie, I'm kind of grumpy this morning. Uh, make me happy. She does her little song and dance. Uh, try another one. And then I get my kids, make me happy. No, you, man, no, 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 that's all horrible. You burnt the toast. No, get rid of that. Fine, I'll do it myself. If I'm dependent on the external to keep my joy, if I'm dependent even on sleep to make me happy, <laughs> then Brooks, my youngest son, is in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so I have to be able to go somewhere, someplace, and I constantly have to go back to my roots. Where are my roots? It's the grace of God. What has he done on my behalf? So I get the attention off of me, off of my family, off of what's out here, and I go, Lord, you provided a way of escape for me. You provided with me the joy that I need to live this life and actually enjoy this thing. Thank you. And he gives it to you. Now, back to the Apostle Paul. So he said, I've taught you everything. So now he says, so guard your hearts. Say with me, guard your hearts. Other translations say, take heed to yourself. You got to take heed to yourself. There's nobody else's in job. Nobody can do this for me, so guard your hearts. That's my job. What am I protecting in, in my heart? That nothing from the outside is getting access on the inside of me. Anything external, any of this rubbish that's out here, anything that oh, all these evil men and these evil things that are going on, I cannot allow it to get on the inside of me. So what do I do? I keep guarding my heart. Lord, I just love you. This is my place. Your grace is sufficient for me. 
He says, be true shepherds. Now he's talking to the leaders. Be true shepherds over all the flock and feed them well. Remember, it was the Holy Spirit who appointed you to guard and oversee the churches that belong. Who does the church belong to? It belongs to Jesus, the anointed one, which he purchased and he established by his own blood. Verse 29, I know after I leave, imposters who have no loyalty to the flock will come among you like savage wolves. Even some from among your very own ranks will rise up. Notice what they do? Twisting truth to seduce people into following them instead of Jesus. How do you know if what's being preached, what's being said is truth or not? What do they want from you? Are we trying to get an impact gathering? Are we trying to get a following so we have more and more people? (laughs) So we get more likes on our Facebook, which you could do, by the way. If you could please like a little bit more, it helps things go progress a little bit more. But you have to look at the motivation behind What's being magnified? Is it a person? Is it a message? If it's not pointing to Jesus, watch it. You have to be very careful. And it's not to, like, not to call them out and say, you are a blah, 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 blah. Not to do any of that, but it's to go, I have to part myself a little bit because it's trying to lure me in to follow a certain individual. And again, it's not to say we look up to men and women. Of course, there's men and women who serve God, went after God with everything they got. There's lots that we can learn, but don't sell yourself short just trying to follow them. We're after him. And that's the same thing with this church. We have amazing people in this church family from leaders that you don't even see that are downstairs serving the kids right now, from those that are doing the sound, from those that are in the tech room downstairs. You don't see all of them right now. They are phenomenal people. And what is their job is to continually point people to Jesus. That's the purpose. Impact generations for Jesus is what we are all about. Now, verse 31. So he says, be alert and discerning. He says, remember that for three years, night and day, I've never stopped warning each of you, pouring out my heart to you with tears. And so now, with all this, I don't know if I'll ever see you again, but I entrust you into God's hands and the message of his grace. Why? Which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings. Say with me, all. God's blessings. All of them, all of them, y'all, all of them are imparted through the message of his grace. Why does God want me to be rooted and grounded in grace? Because everything he provided through Jesus has been given through his grace. It's his kindness in action. What is the grace of God? It is his love. It's his kindness in action. So he says all of it is right there, which he provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. Now, in closing here, why is it crucial for you and I to be established in grace? Number one is simply to enjoy a life-giving relationship with God. And number two, then, is to be a proper witness and an ambassador for him on this earth because the world's message and sadly religion's message is that God hates you. If you were just to listen to what the world is crying out, what they're speaking, it is impossible to please this God, and he actually hates you because of everything that you do. Sadly. I mean, do we agree with a lot of things that are going on in there? Absolutely not. 
There's no way that I would say, yes, that's a great job. I'm glad that they did all those things. It is horrible. But that does not change the love of God. All of that, people could come to Jesus at any time and say, Jesus, forgive me for it. I mean, you, you lay it out. You can lay out all the big ten that you want and say, I, I did adultery. I, I was in sin. I killed. I murdered. I dishonored my parents. I killed my parents. And blah, 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 blah. You can name the whole thing, and they could turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all that I've done. And you know what Jesus would do? Oh, man, you really ticked me off. Are you kidding me? Jesus would say, come. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. We cannot even fathom the grace of God. And sometimes, so for us from a church, we kind of go, man, that, well, that's horrible. I don't know if that's real forgivable. Do you remember where you came from? Do you remember that? We deserve, mer- like we, well, we deserve hell. He gave us mercy instead. That's why coming to church, I get to do this. When the team comes up, hey, it could just be Danielle hooting and hollering up here. I get to worship him. I get to, it's a privilege for me to be able to lift up my voice and say how I love you, King Jesus, and not be thrown into hell. He made it for me. So I want you to see Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, last verse here. And again, I want you to encourage you, read Deuteronomy 1, because it's Moses recalling all that happened for the Israelites as they are about to go into the promised land. He recounts it beautifully, and he lays it all out there. And you actually found out that it was the Israelites' idea to get 12 spies to go check out the land. God never told them to do it. And then the 12 came back, and 10 of them said, we can't do it. It's useless. There's no way that we're able to take this land that God promised us. Why? Because there's giants there. These guys will eat us, and they lo- we saw them, and they looked at us, and they probably thought that we're grasshoppers. There's no way. And then the only two said, no, we are well able to do this. And God was so ticked off because I gave you my promise. I gave you my word. I gave you my presence, and it's in a box with you wherever you go. And if that box is with you, I'm with you. Let's go. And they said, no, we can't do it. I'm not going to do it. So then they went back into their tents and notice this. You rebelled against the command of the Lord to go in. your God and you refused to go in. Verse 27. You complained in your tents and you said, the Lord must hate us. Is that true? No. He says that's why he has brought us here from Egypt. To hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. God must hate us. Why do I go through all the trash that I've been going through? God must really hate me. God must be trying to do something in my life to get my attention. No, no, no. The tone was completely off here in the Old Testament. How much more so is that mindset completely off in the New Testament? In this day of grace that we live in, the message from the church is God does not hate He doesn't. There's no hate in him because if God were to, do you know what he did to his son Jesus? He might as well just slapped him on his face and said, that's not good enough. He looked at his son. He poured out all of his wrath on his son Jesus and he said, it is satisfied. My judgment, my wrath is satisfied and instead of laying it on mankind like we deserved, that's why Jesus was so ugly on that cross. He became a serpent on that cross. Man, what was it? It was the sin of everything, past, present, and future, that was yet to come. The Bible said he was so defaced that you couldn't even recognize that he was a man anymore. 
Why? So that I could be free. God only sent one person to hell, and it was his son, Jesus. God is not interested in anybody going to hell. His heart is that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth. So you and I, we've got to get established in this grace so we can proclaim to a world who thinks. Doesn't matter what you, what you think. They think that God hates them. They think that. Have a regular conversation with anybody on the street. Just, let, just hear them out for a little bit and you'll hear, oh man, the stuff that I've done, the things that I've said, the things I wish I would never have done. Man, God, there's no way. God, God's ticked off. Even if they don't say those words, there's an underlying tone God hates me. Man, he hates me. I'm too much of a pervert. I'm too much of a... There's no such thing of a too much of a... God's love can wipe out too much of anything. So for you and I, it is crucial that we get established in this grace. I believe just very simply that the Lord wants me to say to you today, I don't hate you, I love you. (laughs) The difficult times in your life is not a result of my hate or frustration towards you. Remember, you have my spiritual enemy on the loose who is looking to steal, kill, and to destroy. I sent my son to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows. So establish yourselves in this grace. As you learn to walk in my ways, you'll see that I have already provided a way of victory through all of life's problems. Can we just for a moment just open up our hearts to him? And what do I mean by that? Just, Lord, here am I. Expose myself to you. And let the love of God wash over you completely where all of a sudden that thought of, man, God is disappointed. God is angry. God hates. God is frustrated. Let that just be washed away from you. Father, I just lift up this beautiful congregation. These people that you have purchased with your own blood. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You live strong on the inside of them this morning. You are there and you are here, sir, inside of us to reveal Jesus to us. You live inside of us to demonstrate and reveal the love of God. You said that in your word in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God or the love that God has for us has been shed abroad or been poured out to us by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So right now we just open up our hearts big. And we thank you for your love. We just say, we are children of the most high God, loved of God. You want to say it with me? I am a child of God, loved by God. Holy Spirit, you live inside of me. And you're here to reveal and to show the love of the Father to me. I open my heart to that. In Jesus' name. And I also want to encourage you, if this is your first time being in a church, or maybe you've been to a couple services, but you've never made Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. We are going to have our prayer teams come right after the service, and what they're going to simply do is lead you to Jesus. It's not this big religious thing. It's simply going, Jesus, I want you as my Lord. I want you as my king. Come have lordship over my life. And Jesus now starts the good work of changing you into being coming like him. That's all that this is. It's a relationship. I don't mean that's all that it is, meaning a downplay it. It's a beautiful, amazing progress and work that God does on the inside of us. But he loves you. Amen.
Amen.